I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Freaking creepy. Is it dangerous? Yes. It's a matter of life or death. In this life, you think you're being punished? That's what it feels like. I don't like this. This is what was on my leg. It was over there, and then it ran. It just all of a sudden went clang. This is the guy with the axe. He's crazy, like sociopathic. They're being watched. My name is Amy Allen. This thing likes death. I see dead people. This thing's like a monster. I speak to dead people. And he's pissed off now. And they speak to me. His head was cracked. But there's only one way to know if my findings are real. This guy was murdered. I rely on my partner. I'm Steve Bishab. I'm a retired New York City homicide detective. I cannot help you unless I know the whole story. And I know every person, every house has secrets. You saw her, it's my job to reveal them. Why would you stay here? But Steve and I never speak. We never communicate during an investigation. Until the very end. Stop it. Stop it. We uncover, if it's safe for you to stay. I want to know the truth. I want to know what's happening. Or time to get out. Don't you don't go to this Amy and I conduct our investigation separately. I interview witnesses and research the history of each location, while Amy communicates with the dead. At the end, we reveal our findings to our clients and each other. I'm in Bloomington, Illinois, a couple of hours outside of Chicago. I'm heading over to meet with a mom named Diane. She told me on the phone that there's a lot of weird things happening in our house. But the worst thing, the thing that's keeping her up at night, is she thinks the spirits are targeting her son, who has special needs. Let's see if Amy and I can help her out. Before Amy arrives, I clear the area of any leading information. 
You can tell a lot about the occupants of a house from their photos and religious icons. I have to hide these items so Amy isn't influenced by them. As I open to communicate with the dead, I begin picking up on flashes of death in the area, and one entity in particular appears to be very dangerous. I saw this man with an axe. He smiles at me and I feel sick. I said, hey, I'm here. You know, if anybody wants to talk or tell your story. And they said, um, no, you're not. You're here to, to get rid of us. And it sounded like a young male and a girl. They think that I'm lying, that I'm not here just to tell their story. I'm here to, like, get rid of them, and that's not good. Okay, Diane, so what's going on? Ever since we built the house about eight years ago, we've heard footsteps, we've seen apparitions, and it has began physically touching us. And that has me really concerned because my son, Zach, has muscular dystrophy. Oh, jeez. How old is he? He's 15, and it's left him using a wheelchair full-time. Okay. Why are you calling us in now? What's the story? It's gotten to the point where he's having issues that doctors cannot explain, and also my health. Okay, in what way? Unfortunately, I've had to have surgery twice to deal with the pain that I've been experiencing. Do you think it's something in the house that may be causing the problems? I think it is. Can you show me some places in the house where you've been experiencing things? Yes. I was getting ready to make dinner, and I looked up. I saw an apparition. Okay, describe it to me. He appeared to be like a rancher with a hat, work boots, cowboy boots. From what time period? Do you have any idea? I would guess the late 1800s. And one time, I was actually pushed in this room. Pushed? Definitely felt a hand, and I was moved. I'm seeing this guy. The man from my opening with the axe. The man with the axe has followed me into the house and is staring me down, trying to intimidate me. I think he enjoys tormenting the living here. Can you describe him? He's wearing a white long sleeve shirt with two buttons and suspenders. He's pretty solid. And usually the solid ones are more capable of, of interacting. He's crazy like sociopathic. Ever since we moved in, anytime I've been down here doing the laundry, um, I kind of catch something on the corner of my eye. It looks like a dark figure, kind of short, looks kind of like it has maybe a hunchback. Just goes by real quickly. I saw it today when I was down here. It made me feel really sick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Amy tells you it's not safe for you to be here. What are you going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. My son, he needs a lot more care in this house. We had done everything to try to make it adaptable for him. 
so it wouldn't be easy for us, you know, just to simply pack up and move. It's a matter of life or death, and I don't like to give up. <laughs> so I see this doll thing. It was over there, and then it ran. It, like, went in here, and it's all black, like solid, solid black. The man with the axe and the little doll thing are related, but I don't know how. I don't think it wants me to know what it is or where it came from or why it's here or what it's doing. So it does have some kind of consciousness to it. Is it dangerous at all? Yes. Okay, what's going on in here? I was actually scratched across my leg. You have animals in the house? We have a couple of cats, but these scratch marks are larger than a cat's claw. This is what was on my leg. That's well, too big to be a cat. Okay, anything else going on in the bedroom? Another time, I was lying in bed, and I heard footsteps coming across the floor. And I felt the finger poke me. Were you laying in bed with your husband, or was it just you? No, it was just me. Is that all that's going on? You got more? No. <laughs> I heard someone whisper in my ear. I had a little bit less than two years to live. Male or female? Female. How long ago was that? A little bit less than two years ago. Like I'm hearing a child's laughter. I don't like it. You know, it makes me uncomfortable. Um, so it's like this girl, she's developed a twisted sense of humor. And what she does is like crawling under the bed and doing bad things under the bed, like coming up and out. It's freaking creepy. 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I feel like someone is having issues with the bed. This girl child is like crawling under the bed and doing bad things under the bed. Like coming up and out. It's freaking creepy. I don't like this. She's wearing a little, like a little dress that poofs out like that. And I don't know if they see her like that. I see like a more of like a mist. Very, yeah, creepy. So Zach, I was talking to mom and she was telling me about some of the things that are going on in this house since you guys moved in. Mm-hmm. So what about yourself? What are you experiencing? One night I was uh, laying in bed and I saw these kids playing on the floor. How old would you say they were? About seven. And then they looked up and they just vanished. Okay. What else are you experiencing? Uh, well, one night I heard someone rummaging through the drawers out in the uh, kitchen. And I was scared, so I just sat in my bed. I was so scared. I thought someone was in the house. Nobody was in the kitchen? No. Are you having trouble sleeping? Yeah. Normally it takes like three hours for me to go to sleep. Are you hearing anything? Yeah, whispers. Like a uh, female whisper. And what is she saying? It's kind of mumbling. Something like this, like really quiet. This girl, she's young. I think she does go on more than one bed. Do you have any idea what, what she's doing? She's messing with the people. So it's like you'd be in the bed and you would feel like there was something crawling around under your bed. Then she likes to come up out from under the bed and go up the side and on it. It's creepy. Now, as far as the room goes, what else are you experiencing? Some uh, soldiers here. And what were they, just standing in the room here? Yeah, they are standing looking at me. And then they, one of them started talking. He said, we'll be back. Like they were going to come back to see you again? What would that mean? Like not scare me, but come back after I die. Now, what do you think is causing all these visions of you seeing these guys? I think I was previously uh, a soldier. Like I was reincarnated as this person for doing something bad. Now that you're in this life, you think you're being punished? Yeah. That's what it feels like. You know, Mark, talking to Diane, she was saying that um, she thinks that whatever's going on in the house is affecting her and Zach physically. Um, how do you feel about all that? I've seen uh, you know, them in pain and upset, and it's frustrating. Are you experiencing anything Yeah. Just recently, I placed those tubs over there, like that blue one right there, bent down to put it down. 
and that clear plastic container falls off the shelf. It just all of a sudden went clang, lands right in front of my head. Was it top heavy, anything in it that made it? Was it was empty, just like it is now. Was the cat down here maybe? No, I have no idea how that could have happened. That's kind of like a violent act. I'm seeing that guy again. This is the guy with the axe. He looks at me and he smiles. And I didn't get a good feeling from him. I think that he got murdered, and so he's angry. It's not a good combination for some dead person you want in your house. He's crazy. He was a murderer. Now that I've spoken to the witnesses, I need to find out what was on Diane's property before the house was built just eight and a half years ago. I'm heading over to meet with a local historian, and I'm hoping he has some answers for me. The house I'm investigating, it's only eight and a half years old. I was wondering if you could help me out and tell me what was there before that. It was a farm, over 300 acres at one time, owned by William King. Came from uh, Pennsylvania with his first wife and four children in 1836. And the Kings owned the farm right up until the 1950s. What can you tell me about William King himself? What kind of guy was he? He had built a house. He had become a successful farmer. So he had accomplished a great deal and probably thought he had uh, much more time to accomplish more. But he died on the farm at the age of 41 years. It was a very tragic thing. The man with the ax, like, I don't even know where this guy came from. Do you have any idea why he's here? I see him, like, working on the land. Like, maybe he owned it. Okay. The weird thing is now he's wearing suit pants, nice pants, like he's wealthy. And he's probably, like, in his 40s. So he comes here with his wife and four kids. How's life for them? They had a, a great many challenges here at the age of 29. His first wife, Amelia, died in childbirth, and two of his boys died when they were young. Okay, so we can assume at least two of the kids and Amelia died on the property. Yes. Okay, now he remarries? He remarried, and they proceeded to have many more children. Now, Bill, do you know about any other deaths associated with the King family on the property itself? Yes. William's son, George died under very strange circumstances in the 1870s. Okay, and how did he die? Paper which describes the incident in some length doesn't really know why he died. Bill didn't know too much about George's death, but I've tracked down a historian who does. So I'm heading over to his farm to find out what made this death so mysterious. George was 24, almost 25 when he died. He was kind of a wild kid. Uh, he was a partier, a drinker, unlike his father, who was a justice of the peace and active in the community and very well respected. Now, did George ever run the farm or take over at any point? No. The farm went to Zephaniah, his younger brother, not George. This is a chain of deeds, and George was never on it. Which is not common. No. Ordinarily, it would have gone to the oldest son that was available to run the farm. But George was unreliable, and the family depended on the farm for an income and couldn't turn it over to somebody they couldn't trust. Okay. 
There's these two men and they're yelling, they're yelling. They're fighting each other, they're punching each other. And it's getting really bad. This one guy really, really wants to see the other one dead because he's preventing him from having what he wants. I think it's a land thing. Can you describe either of them at all? Well, one dude, he's probably in his mid-20s and he's got light brown eyes and the blonde hair. And Do you get any names on them? I get a George. But people don't like him because, you know, he's crazy. Now, I heard that George died kind of mysteriously. Do you know anything about that? I found this article from 1875. Apparently, George was over at the house for dinner. He took a nap on the couch, and they saw he was still asleep when it was time to eat, so they went ahead and ate without him. And after dinner, they were all outside, and a uh, gunshot was heard. So they rushed into the house, and there was George laying there on the sofa with a hole in his chest. Hey, was he dead already? No. They revived him enough that he could talk, and he told them it was, uh, it was an accident. He was exchanging his gun from his pants pocket to his vest pocket, and it went off at that point. Uh, he died a short time later. They're fighting each other, and um, I see the blood on the, in the dirt, and there's dirt being kicked up in a cloud. And, and everybody's like, oh my god, ah, and then, oh no, you know, and, and freaking out. Do you know if either of them were successful? I don't think that anybody got killed in the fight, but I see, like, the blondes. He's, like, in this little house, and there's a table, like, to eat at. And I see him, like, in darkness. And I hear the sound of a gun go off. Dead. With five deaths involved in the King family who lived on the property I'm investigating, Diane's house might as well sit in a graveyard. But I need to know if there's anything else. Digging through the archives, I discovered that something called a poor farm once operated right next to her home. But the records don't explain what the hell a poor farm is. So I'm on my way to meet with a local archivist who says it represents a very dark chapter in Bloomington's history. A poor farm was an institution run by the county that would care for those who were unable to care for themselves. The mentally ill, the physically disabled, the uh, poor, kind of those on the outside of society where the social safety net had failed. We happen to have at the McLean County Museum of History several photographs of the poor farm, and here's one of the complex of building. Wow. The poor farm in McLean County was established in 1859-1860. What about debts on the property? Were there any reported debts there? We do have a death and burial record. The superintendent said there were at least 173 known burials and at least 300 plus others buried on the site with no markers. There's like all these people like walking around back in there. Really poor, like no money. 
I do feel like there's a place that this is all coming from or something. Any idea what kind of time frame this might be? 1880s to like 1910, I'm thinking. What were the conditions like? There was not uh, really an attempt to made to rehabilitate or care for these people. Okay. So they provided room and board and little else. Local clergy would make appearances on Sunday for church services. Local physicians would care for the people, provide some basic needs for these folks. In 1877, the Daily Panograph, which is the longtime newspaper for Bloomington, a reporter went out there and called the McLean County Poor Farm one of the saddest sights that mortal eyes can view. In 1915, an inspector with the state of Illinois made an, an appearance at the McLean County Poor Farm and said that the livestock, the cattle and hogs, were better cared for and had better housing than the inmates. Their clothes are all ripped up and stuff, and they don't have shoes, a lot of them. They're not carrying anything. I see like a big sign that says religion on it. There's like all these people that are like coming out and they're all like kind of scared of something, like unhinged is the what word. What makes you say that? Because they're freaking out. During my walk, there were too many dead people outside to focus on specific faces. So I'm concentrating on the dead girl who wants to scare the living by hiding under their beds. There's one person in the bed, kind of in the middle of it. It's the person under cover. This kind of sheet of like gray mist. It's coming out from under the bed, going up alongside the bed, and then going over the top of the bed. Is this what you saw? Yes. Now that Amy and I have completed our investigations, we're going to reveal our findings to each other and our clients for the first time. Mark, Diane, I want you to meet my partner, Amy. They moved in here about eight and a half years ago. They have a son, Zach, who is confined to a wheelchair. And from the minute they moved in, they've been experiencing things. But recently, it's gotten a lot more active. Diane's health, and even Zach's health, has been going downhill. And it's making their life very hard when I'm here. And they need to know if it's safe to stay here or not. Uh, with that, I'm going to turn it over to Amy and see if she has some answers for you outside. There were all of these people. They were kind of coming unhinged about something. Um, they were extremely poor. And I got that this was like 100 years ago. It's interesting. Very close to where we are was a thing called a poor farm. And it ran from 1850 into the 1950s. And this poor farm housed the mentally ill, oh. the disabled, homeless, anybody that didn't fit in society. This is what it looked like. And this is literally less than a mile from where we are. The odd thing is, if they died, they buried them on the, on the land. I've got a list here of 173 people that are documented 
buried on this property. Wow. They estimate there's at least another 300. Do you think the people that we're talking about here, that they are the lost people out here? There were people who were acting bizarrely. So, yes, I believe that's them. So what else did you see? I encountered a male who had an ax, and he had on suspenders and a white shirt. But when I saw him in here, he was in a suit. So he seemed to be probably a wealthier individual. The bad thing about him is that he's absolutely crazy. I would say he's a sociopath. He looks at me and he smiles. I didn't get a good feeling from him. He's angry. Not a good combination for some dead person you want in your house. He's a very solid dead person. So he knows how to manipulate energy, and he's able to manipulate his surroundings. Why don't you tell her what happened to you in the kitchen? I felt a definite shove on my hip, like a push, like pushed out of the way. I was absolutely terrified. Wow. So you said this guy was wealthy? Yes. Well, this house sits on what was once a 350-acre farm owned by this guy, William King, who settled here in 1836. The thing is, he became wealthy from the land, because this is really good farmland here. You know, you mentioned he was angry? Yes. Well, his wife, Amelia, died at a very young age oh, of really? 29, giving childbirth. And he suffered some more tragedy. He lost two sons and they died on the property. Does that make any sense to you? I did get two children in the house. One is a girl and one's a boy. And they were not excited to see me because they knew that when I walked in the door, they're like, oh, you're gonna get rid of us. I um, have sensed for years that there is a child. Um, I could hear the little footsteps mm -hmm. come by me next to me when I was getting ready to go to bed. And Zach said kids were playing with his trucks. He woke up when he was real little. Yeah. Two kids playing with it. You hear the mm -hmm. wheels squeaking on his truck. Yeah, the girl here is very active. She likes to hide under the beds. This is her form of entertainment. She'll like want to crawl up and get into bed with you. She's very touchy-feely. I do feel like there's something in our bedroom when we're trying to sleep. Now, you mentioned touchy-feely. Yes. She's been poked. It actually felt like it was something that a kid would do to you. I felt a distinct tap on my leg. She's also had another incident in the bedroom, which I want to show you a picture of. Wow. I felt just a strange sensation, and I saw that I about lost my mind when I saw that. It frightened me because I, I was like, is that evil? What, where did that come from? Let me ask you a question about her getting poked. Do you think that's this little girl? The poking, yeah. Okay. Definitely. All right, but what about this? That actually could be your son. 
there's something called spontaneous uh, psychokinesis. Some people have a little bit more energy than others. And occasionally, people can influence their environment spontaneously. And it doesn't mean that they're attacking anybody. It doesn't mean they're doing it on purpose. It just means it's like, it's almost like um, a burst of energy that just pops, okay? And so with any ability, you're going to have experiences like this. And how old is your son? 15. It can be hormonal. Usually it's around children who are, you know, teenagers. Does Diane's son have abilities? Probably, yeah. Because Diane does. It's kind of strange, the same night the scratches, we had to take Zach in the emergency room. He appeared to like have a seizure. If he's having seizures or something, you know, around or following that, that could be a trigger signal. I've encountered this before. People who don't know they have abilities can't control them. And sometimes their bodies can react in unexplained ways. So I did do a sketch of what I saw in the master bedroom with the girl. Okay. I don't get to see Amy's sketches until now. I did do a sketch of what I saw in the master bedroom with the girl. I see her and she's crawling around under the bed, but some people might see the mist that's kind of emitted by her. That's usually where I sleep. What does she want? She's very bored and like having fun, trying to have fun. And that's her fun, unfortunately. One night, I was trying to sleep, I heard a distinct whisper right up against my ear. It was a female that said, you have a little bit less than two years to live. It's almost two years ago, now we're at that time. Am I the target? I think everyone in the house is. So, do you encounter anything else? Down here in the basement, I actually witnessed a huge fist fight. There was a male named George. He was in his 20s. Apparently, he had inherited land. And him and this other dead guy were in a fist fight because the other guy wanted to take this land from this kid, George. And then I see the young guy, George, in a small house. And then I heard a gunshot. And I think George was killed. I gotta tell you something. This is the most amazing thing I've heard as far as like nailing it. William King, who settled here, had a son named George. Oh. Now, William died pretty young. And George was the oldest available son that should have been taking over the farm. But he didn't get it. It went actually to his younger brother. I can only assume that he had to feel slighted and been pissed off that he didn't get property. But he was a drunk in town, always partying. And because he was such a irresponsible 24-year-old for the time, they didn't want to give it to him. Now, George came here to the farm, to the house. He went inside to lie down. He took his pistol that he carried, 
four-shot pistol, took it from his pocket and transferred it into his vest. And he accidentally shot himself. The next thing that I ran into was this weird little, like, I kept calling it the doll. It's all dark. It's like made of darkness. It's somehow attached to the guy with the axe. It's a part of him. It's very, very negative. I was trying to connect with it, and I saw it, and then it ran into the wall over there. That is amazing. What? I kept seeing something out of the corner of my eye from the laundry area. It shoots straight out of, like, the wall over there. It was solid black mass, but it was small. It was, like, three feet tall, maybe. Yeah. It's this little thing that the Axemen created that can do his bidding. If he wants to do something, he would work through it. So it's here all the time. But he's not. See, he comes and goes. His thing is to make people nuts like him because he's crazy. And so he would want to, like, torture and drive you nuts. And that's no way to live. No, we don't need some creepy guy or weird thing in the basement. I'd like to be able to be free of these things so that I can focus on being as good a mother as I can. It doesn't help that this is going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We want to be a normal family as much as possible because we're under unusual circumstances anyway with having a tiny child. And I worry about him because he's confined to that chair mm -hmm. and completely vulnerable. Obviously, you got a lot of serious things going on here. But the pressing question is, is it safe for you to be here? Uh, with that, I'm going to turn it over to Amy and see if she has some answers for you. You have a lot of debt around this location. But the one who's really a problem at this point is the little girl, because she's like a fully conscious entity. You need to have a medium come in and she's gonna have to get this little girl out of here. When the medium comes through, she'll also do a cleansing around the property to set up a boundary against the man with the ax and other various dead who might wander through. The little thing down here, which is attached to the axeman, keeping him out is going to cause that link to dissipate. And so it'll probably make him just go, no more. So once they're able to establish where there's no more dead around here or in the house, will she start to feel better? Oh, yes. Now, my question to you now is, are you going to follow Amy's advice? Oh, yeah. Yes. I don't have to live in complete right. fear all right. the time. I understand why Diane fears for her son's well-being. Encountering that many entities can be terrifying. But I'm confident that if she follows my advice, she and her family should lead a happy and peaceful life. 